Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. This ministry desires to help people know and live for Christ through the preaching of God's Word. And now, today's message. Well, good morning. My name is Chaplain Dan Braswell. I'm so glad to be back preaching with you as we continue our sermon series in Melodies of Faith. Melodies of Faith. If you have a Bible, I Hope that you do. I invite you to turn to Psalm chapter 119. Psalm chapter 119. For about, I think, eight or nine or so Sundays we've been in the Psalms, and we have a few more weeks. As you notice, we're at 119. The Psalms go only to 150, and our backstop is Advent season, which, believe it or not, is the last Sunday in November. So we're already thinking about Christmas and those kind of things. For those of you who are excited about that, I put the teaser out, Christmas is right around the corner. We've already been upstairs to look at decorations and all that. But enough of that right now, it's October 31st. For those of you who are stressing out, just thinking about Christmas, right now we're going to focus on Psalm 119. Some of the chaplains have shared with you as we preached through this series that what we did as chaplains is we got together and said, hey, we're going to do a series on Psalms. For some chaplains, they said, oh, I want to do Psalm whatever. And we let that chaplain pick that chapter they wanted to do out of the Psalms, which is great. Some of the other Psalms, because we wanted to cover different types of Psalms, were assigned. This Psalm was assigned to me, you could say, by Chaplain Harrison. We were texting back and forth way back when we were planning, and October 31st fell on me, and I said, okay, what what do you want me to do? And he said, Psalm 119, and I thought, Good night. That's the longest one in the Bible. And, and you know what he texted me? He said, Psalm 119, happy Halloween. Like, figure it out. So that's where we're going to be today. But we're only going to focus in on a few verses. We're going to look at verses 33 through 40. Verses 33 uh, through 40 is where we're going to read here in just a minute. Chaplain Thompson has already mentioned today, this morning, that today is also Reformation Day. Reformation Sunday, October 31st, 1517, is when Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses on the castle door at Wittenberg, and historians say that began what we know as history as the Protestant Reformation. More importantly for us, I'll summarize it this way, what the church was doing at that time was was getting back to the basics of what God's teaching us about some very important things And they had what they called five solas, solas being Latin for only. And those emphases were this. There was sola scriptura, scripture alone. There was faith alone, grace alone. Chaplain Thompson read to us, by grace are we saved through faith. Christ alone and all for the glory of God. As we look at Psalm 119, I want to ask a couple of questions right at the start. Number one, do you go through the Word of God? In other words, do you read the Word of God? But the second question is this. It's one thing for you to go through the Word of God. The second question is, does the Word of God go through you? In other words, is it making a difference in our lives? When you look at Psalm 119, you're going to find over and over again, the theme of Psalm 119 is God's word. It is a 176 verse prayer to the Lord from the psalmist about God's word. 
this psalm is an acrostic. And what I mean by that is if you look in your Bible and you skim through Psalm 119, there are 22 sections because there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Each section has eight verses. And 22 and 8 gets you 176 verses. So there are every, every, I'll call them stanzas, every stanza of eight verses begin with one of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. That's why it's an acrostic. This psalm is so large, it is roughly the size of the average of about 22 of any of the other psalms put together. I say all that to say, I have four points this morning, and if you've heard me preach before, you know I'm going to give you three points, four points. We're going to do that just with 33 through 40. If we did three points, four points with all 22, you do the math, that puts us at about 4.30 this afternoon. We're not going to do that this morning, but I encourage you to take some time to read Psalm 119 because it is rich. It has a lot to say to us about God's Word. In fact, as I was studying this passage, I came across what the great early church father Augustine said. Augustine wrote commentaries on virtually all the Bible, and he wrote a commentary on every one of the Psalms. The last one that he wrote a commentary for was Psalm 119. The reason was because this, I'll read you what he said. Here's what he said. Because as often as I began to reflect upon Psalm 119, it always exceeded the utmost stretch of my powers. I cannot show how deep it is. The great Augustine said, I I can't even mine out all the rich truths that are here. Well, hopefully today we'll see what happens when we go through the Word of God. We'll see what happens when the Word of God goes through us, through at least one of the stanzas in this psalm. And I want to encourage you to start in verse 33 and simply follow along, and I'll read it for us. Here's what it says. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. May the Lord add his blessings to the the reading of his word. If you were to look back at verses 17 through 24, it's this prayer for life that he might keep the word. If you were to look at verses 35 through 32, it cries out for more life according to that word. But now, if you look at verses 33 through 40, he changes and he talks about this idea of teaching. I want to share with you four ways the Word of God can go through you and me if we follow this example. Point number one is this. If the Word of God goes through you, number one, you will be teachable. You will be humble. Notice with me what we just read. Look at verse 33. Look at the phrase there. He says, teach me, Lord. You see that? Look at verse 34, a very similar phrase. Give me understanding. Look at verse 35. Direct me in the paths of your commands. 
all of Psalm 119 is a prayer to the Lord that implies that the psalmist needs the Lord. As you and I go through the Word of God, it'll make us teachable. It'll make us humble. I ran across a survey that LifeWay Research did recently regarding Bible reading during the COVID pandemic, and it was, I was pleasantly surprised to find out that according to them, in the height of the pandemic in 2020, as they did their research and they asked all these questions to a random sampling of Americans, how much have they read their Bible during the pandemic, you know what I found out? That the percentage, there was an uptick, and I praise the Lord for that. Apparently, while people were at home, quarantined, maybe out of a job, maybe teleworking, whatever the case may be, LifeWay Research says that there was a little bit of an uptick in, in Bible reading. And, I, and I'm glad to hear that, but what my hope and prayer really is, is that that's making a difference in our lives. If we go through the Word of God and we allow it to speak to us, we're going to be teachable. We're going to be humble. We're going to have a submissive spirit. I know none of you are like this, but maybe you work with somebody <laughs> or you have somebody in your family who it would be said of them, you can't teach them anything. They don't listen to anybody. You can't tell them nothing. They're always right. I know that's none of y'all, but y'all probably know somebody in your life who's like that. If you're the guy sitting here going, I don't know anybody like that, it might be you. You might be that guy. You know, there's nothing worse than, than working with somebody who's unteachable. Well, God's saying in his word here, the psalmist is saying, God, I need you to teach me. I need you to guide me. The Bible has a lot of things to say to us, mainly about salvation, right? It tells us who God is. It tells us who we are, that we've sinned against God. It tells us that we need a Savior, that through what, like what Glenn read earlier, through trusting in Jesus Christ, God saves us from our sins based on the fact that he died on the cross and that he rose again. It teaches us about salvation. The Bible teaches us a lot of things if we'll simply listen. It teaches us about how to conduct our marriages, how to conduct our relationships. I'm going to even fast forward past Christmas for a minute for you. In January, we're going to get a new series in the Song of Solomon, and we're going to talk about what God teaches about sexuality, what God teaches about marriage, what God teaches about biblical marriage. God will give you all that wisdom if we read his word. He'll give us wisdom if we give him our finances and follow his principles. Sometimes I run across soldiers, I run across families who are in, who are in great financial need. Well, let the Bible's finances advice guide you. Don't listen to the guidance of your buddy who's at work who maybe... He downloaded a day trader app, and now he's a finance expert, but he probably couldn't show you $1,000. Don't take finance from that guy, and, he, and he's $50,000 in debt. Don't take finance from that guy. Do what the Bible says about finances. Save. Give to the Lord. Be a blessing to others. Don't spend more than you make. The borrower is slave to the lender. Teach me. Guide me. we got many people in here who have children. Guess what? The Bible will teach you how to raise your children with very simple principles. It says things like, train up a child in the way it should go. It says things like, talk about these commandments of God in your coming and your going. So on a regular basis, talk about those things. The Bible talks about discipline for children. I give these examples to simply say, if we go through the Word of God and we read it, but then we allow the Word of God to go through us, we're going to be teachable. We're going to be humble. Are you teachable this morning? 
My prayer is that our hearts are not, I have everything figured out. I hope our hearts are like the psalmist who says, God, teach me. God, you guide me. Number one, you'll be teachable and humble. But number two is this. You will demonstrate with your actions the fact that you follow the Lord. You're, you will follow the Lord and that will, you'll be, it will be demonstrated by your actions. Number two, look, I want you to notice verse 35. Look at what it says. It says, lead me in the paths of your commands. In other words, he's not just saying, God, lead me. He's then saying he wants to walk this path of God's commands. Way back, some of you maybe were here when we did Psalm chapter 1. And it talks about, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the seat of scoffers or in the, in the counsel of the wicked and, and the path of scorners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And he talks about this godly path. Look at verse 36. You'll follow the Lord with your heart and your actions. Look at verse 36. He talks about, turn my heart toward what? Toward your statutes. Your actions will demonstrate the fact that you have gone through the Word of God and that the Word of God is going through you. I want you to flip back to verse 7 of Psalm 119. Look at what he says there. He talks about even his worship would, would be changed. He says in verse 7, I will praise you with an upright heart when? When I learn your righteous rules. In other words, he's saying as he meditates on God's Word, as he follows God's ways, it'll actually change the way that he worships. Probably the most quoted psalm in 119 is Psalm 119.11. You probably, some of you have it memorized. Your word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. As we read through the word of God, our actions will demonstrate that why? We're, we will, we're striving to not sin against God. We're striving to follow God's path. God's word going through us will lead to these types of actions. Now, let me say this. In Ephesians chapter 2, very clearly it teaches, and the Bible teaches throughout, that we are saved not by our works, but we are saved by grace through faith. In other words, as to become a child of God, to be a Christian, it is not because we worked hard enough to be a Christian. We are saved simply because God in his mercy loved us and God in his mercy gave his son to die on the cross for our sins. But I want you to turn with me to James chapter 2. I want to read you something that helps, I think, bring this passage to light. Turn to James chapter 2 if you have a Bible and you can hold your place in Psalm 119, but I want to show you a couple of things in James chapter 2. As you're turning there, let me remind you, Ephesians chapter 2 says, By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is, a, it is a gift of God, it says, not of works, lest so that no one would boast. We are saved because of God's grace, but James puts it this way. If you look at verse 17 in James chapter 2, it says, faith by itself, it, if it does not have works, it is dead. He says in verse 18, some will say, you have faith and I have works, and then James says, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. This is the same concept that is in Ephesians 2.10, where Paul says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. 
I want to make sure we understand this. We are saved by grace. However, our actions should demonstrate the fact that we are God's children. And what the psalmist is saying in Psalm 119 is that as he gets the guidance from God's word, it's going to change his actions. He's going to want to follow that path. He's going to want to follow those commands. Now turn back to Psalm 119. Do your actions demonstrate that you're a person who allows the word of God to go through you? Do you read scripture? Do we read scripture? And do we allow it to change our hearts? Do we listen to the Holy Spirit as we follow God's commands? It'll make a difference in our actions. So we need to be teachable. That's what will happen if we go through the word of God. We'll demonstrate it with our actions, number two. But number three is this. You will change your priorities. You will change your priorities. We're going to look at verses back in Psalm 119 now. Look at verse 37. Look at what it says. Turn my eyes from what? From worthless things and give me life in your ways. Go back to verse 36. He talks about lead my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. So you see in verse 36 this idea of selfish gain. He's saying it'll be the opposite of selfish gain. In verse 37 he says, worthless things. He's going to turn his heart away from worthless things. The Word of God will change our priorities. I'm going to share another passage of Scripture with you. You don't have to turn there right now, but I'll just simply read it to you. This is in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Paul said this. He said, have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths, rather train yourself for godliness. This idea of if I go through the Word of God and I'll I'll listen to the Word of God, it'll change my priorities in such a way that I won't be interested in selfish gain. I won't be interested in what the Bible calls worthly things or silly things. I believe one of the greatest challenges that Christians have today Although all the what we consider the, quote, big sins, they're still out there. Adultery is still a sin. Murder is still a sin. Theft is still a sin. All those things. But I think one of the biggest challenges that Christians face today is the challenge of filling our lives with useless things. Is the challenge of filling our lives with silliness that at the end of the day don't really amount to a, to a whole lot. And you say, what do you mean by that, chaplain? I would say this. How much do we allow the Word of God to go through us? How much do we go through the Word of God? And how much time do we spend scrolling on all kinds of choose your poison of your app that is your favorite? And how much time do I spend there? You can do some great things on the internet, sure, but you can also do some silly things and some worthless things. You could do some outright evil things on the internet. But you could also maybe not do things that are quote-unquote evil in and of themselves, but you and I can spend a lot of time on silly things. But the psalmist says that as he goes through the Word of God, he says, turn away, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. How much could God do with you and with me if we simply turned our eyes from those things that are, even if they're not inherently bad, 
maybe they're just not of that much value. If we turned our eyes from those things and, and said, I'm going to change my priorities, I'm going to see what God has for me, and I'm going to follow his word, how much of a difference would it make in our lives? Turning away from worthless, worthless things. But then number four is this. Not just a change in priorities, but number four is this. If you allow the word of God to go through you, number four, you will actually desire the things of God. The psalmist talks about longing for the things of God. I want you to go back and look at verse 34 one more time. He says this, Give me understanding that I might keep your law and observe it. But look at how he phrases it. Observe it with my whole heart. With my whole heart. The heart in the, New, in the Old Testament specifically is the seed of the emotions. It's with everything that I have. Look at verse 40. He says, Behold, I long for. See that phrase? I long for. He's, he's getting after this idea of desire. What does he long for in verse 40? I long for your precepts. He says things like this all through the psalm. Go back and look at verse 2 in Psalm 119. He says, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with what? With their whole heart. He says it again later on in Psalm 119. Go all the way to verse number 111. Verse 111, it says, your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. He's, he's gone beyond checking the block to say, oh, I've done what I'm supposed to do. Do you all do that in your job sometimes? Do you do that in life sometimes? I just do this because I'm checking the block. That's what I have to do. But the psalmist takes it another level. He's not just saying, oh, I obey God because I was taught as a little boy to obey God, and if I do all the good things, then I'm right with God. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that he longs for God so much that when, when he gets to that point where he wants to follow God's precepts, following God actually brings him this joy deep down in his heart, deep down in his soul. It is very much a game changer for him. Now notice in this passage, this is not follow your heart. How many of you heard that phrase, follow your heart? You ever been reading through the Bible and ran across where God talks about following your heart? Really? Y'all haven't heard of that? Well, guess what? I haven't either. You know why? Because that phrase is not in the Bible. That phrase is a lie from hell. No offense to the great Napoleon Dynamite. Follow your heart. That's what I would do. Well, the Bible does say something about our hearts. You know what it says in Jeremiah? The heart is what? Deceitful in every way and desperately wicked. He says, who can know it? Apart from Christ, good night. The last thing we want to do is follow our heart. We don't want to follow our heart. We want to follow what, what God has to say for us. But what we really need is not so much a checklist of things to do that are the right things to do so we can check the blocks and say we were, quote, a good Christian. What we really need is a full-on heart transplant so that our desires will totally change. Desires is what drives everything. Desire drives everything. Do you know why we do what we do? Do you know why you do what you do? Do you know why I do what I do? 
because I want to. Some of y'all are going to have a conflict in your soul in the next two days over, over one issue. It's the issue of all this Halloween candy. And me saying it, you're already thinking about it, aren't you? Some of you are going to be like this one young man who told me when I was a youth pastor, he said, hey, I don't have any problem with temptation. I just give in every time. Well, that's a way. It's an ungodly way, but it's a way, right? So let's take the Halloween candy as an example. Here's a COA, right? Here's a course of action. You could go home as a parent and you could take your, your tax, whether you're a low tax person or a high tax person on the bag of candy and Maybe you're 50%, 60%, maybe you're nice and you only take 10% or whatever. And teach them now what they got to deal with the rest of their life, right? So take the candy, and you can just eat all you want. That's a way. I will tell you this. Do you know if that's what you do, you know why you did it? Because you wanted to. Now, you might say, but I didn't want to. Yeah, you did, because ultimately you did it. Now, you could have the candy dilemma warring in your soul right now as I think about this, and, and you go, yeah, I'm, I'm preparing mentally right now. I have certain physical goals. I have certain, you know, things that are important to me. So right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to purpose in my heart. And you might say, but chaplain, I really wanted the candy. And I'd say, yeah, in one sense you did, but I, but I held out and I ate a reasonable amount of candy. I won't go into what reasonable is because my reasonable is probably way higher than your reasonable, but maybe it's not. But you say, I, I, I ate candy in moderation, but I, but I stood strong. I didn't do anything crazy because I knew Monday's coming and Tuesday's coming and height, weight, and all that kind of stuff. And I just have physical goals that are more important to me than, than eating Halloween candy. Well, you know why you did that? Because you wanted to, ultimately. We do what we want to do. My point is what we really need is a change in our want to. And what the psalmist is saying is that if we go through God's word, God will make us not just check the blocks. He'll actually change yours and my want to. Why do people have extramarital sex? Because they want to. Why do people get, get sucked into other things that are wrong and sinful? Because ultimately, that's their desire. And let me say this and be very careful. We live in a world where we've bought into this mentality, and I want you to be careful of this as a Christian, that we're always victims of all of our circumstances, and there's nothing we can, we can really do about it. That makes me so sad, I can't hardly stand it. I'm so glad I don't really believe that, because what I really believe is that God has a plan for your life and for mine. And I believe that it doesn't matter what kind of sin you've fallen into. I don't, it doesn't matter to me what, what kind of horrible things somebody that you love has gone down into. You know what I think with all my heart? I believe that God can still be in the business of changing people's hearts and changing people's want to. So when I pray for my own life and I pray for people in my life, I say, oh God, change their actual desires. He says in this passage, I, you know, he, he's gone beyond thou shalt not steal. Okay, got it, don't steal. He's gone to, I love to be living in the truth. I love to obey God because... It is actually part of my heart's desire. Yours and my natural desires, our desires are in direct conflict with the King, King Jesus, who has come to rule our hearts. Yours and my natural sinful desires are in direct conflict with King Jesus, who has come to rule yours and my hearts. I believe that as we go through the Word of God, 
And I believe that as the Word of God goes through us, it'll actually change our want to. Maybe you're here and you feel like you're in a rut and you've been trying and you've been trying and you've been trying to change this pattern of sin. I got good news for you. Let's go back to God's Word and let's cry out to God and say, God, change my desires so that I'll actually be like the psalmist. Look at verse 112, uh, excuse me, verse 40, where he simply says, Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. If we allow the Word of God to go through us, He'll change our desires to where the very inmost part of our being will want to serve the Lord. I invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Hebrews says your word is living and active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. God, we thank you for the power that's in this word. God, in a world where there's not a lot of high value put on your word, may we be people who understand this is the very words of God, that the Bible is true, it is without error, and it tells us everything that we need, God, to know you and to live for you. I pray that as your people that we would study your word, that we would read it, but more importantly, that it would go through us in such a way that it changes us from the inside out. I pray for your people today as, as we ponder these thoughts. May those of us who need to hear from you, which if we're truthful, God, is all of us, May we long for, may our desires be that to follow you with all of our hearts. And may that be true for us and our families. And God, may we be able to impact others as we live this out in our lives. And God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.